This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. listening to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge at Wharton website. We're here today with Wharton Operations, Information, and Decisions Professor Becky Schomburg. Becky, thanks for being with us today. It's very great to be here. And we're here to talk a little bit about your research. So can you tell us a little bit about your primary focuses? Yeah. You know, at a broad level, um, I've been interested in sort of the individual characteristics or employee traits that promote positive employee outcomes. And that is a mouthful, but basically that means what are the things that get people to work hard, work well, and to emerge and be effective in leadership roles? Which are all good things. Which are all good things. Exactly. They're all positive employee outcomes. Now, what have been some of the key takeaways from some of your research? Like, What are some things that you have found about what does encourage that among people? So today, my research has tended to take a, a slightly different perspective than a lot of other similar work that has looked at these employee characteristics that promote job performance and leadership, in that I've, I tend to be interested in the kind of qualities that you might be unexpected, um, with a particular focus on things that we actually might often write off, thinking that those might undermine performance. So at a broad level, I think the thing that has been most surprising is in some of my work on guilt um, and in some of my work on self-reliance. Um, with regards to guilt, this is an emotion that people have often thought can undermine performance, um, undermine leadership. So I say if you walk through a self-help book aisle at a Barnes & Noble or if you're browsing it on Amazon, the general advice is that you want to live a guilt-free life, right. um, that very little good can come from guilt. And my work sort of challenges that and takes a broader perspective in wondering how and when guilt can be productive. And I would generally say the conclusion would be is like guilt can be good, but there are a lot of caveats, uh, nuances, and exceptions to that general trend. And so my work is sort of bright, paints that broad picture that guilt can be good, but also tends to try to tease apart those exceptions as well. Now, when when can guilt be good? So guilt can be good to the extent that this, I always say the self-reproach can be minimized. And what I mean by self-reproach is that how best do I describe this? Um, so you can imagine a situation where you've done something wrong. Um, you've said something that you didn't know that maybe offended someone, and you feel this sort of aversive emotion. Guilt is that thing where you initially feel it, and you're like, ah, I did a bad thing. And you have that initial impulse to try, want to try to fix it. But guilt starts to become bad, like I said, when shame starts to creep in a little bit later. Um, and that's this, I did a bad thing, therefore I must be a bad person. And once guilt starts to be associated with that negative self-reproach, we start thinking about how our actions affect us negatively and what it means about our own character, that tends to undermine any positive benefits of this emotion of guilt in the workplace. So now you also talked a little bit about the surprising findings regarding self-reliance. Could you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. Um, so broadly speaking, I've been interested in the notion of self-reliance, um, and particularly as it relates to leadership. And I first think when you talk about self-reliance and leadership in the same breath, they seem almost antithetical um, because self-reliance is about being free from the control of others and being having autonomy over yourself, which seems the opposite of leadership, which is about leading and guiding others and is inherently an interdependent phenomenon. But that the relationship may be more complicated, in part because self-reliance both means something different and signals something different for men than it does for women. 
And in particular, well, we have often thought of self-reliance as, you know, pardon, but the, the man who cannot ask for directions um, or cannot ask for help. That is not necessarily the case with women, um, where self-reliance really means and signals sort of this capacity to do things on one's own, but is not at all related to sort of uh, willing um, – it's not at all related to a resistance to having help or resistance to being interdependent. It's simply a drive to um, to not be dependent on others, which can actually spur a desire to then lead others as a form of sort of gaining that independence. So now is it a benefit in terms of because people are surprised, which I hate to say people should be surprised. But... Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I wish that that were not the case. Um, but in fact, in some ways, it seems to be that case. And that's, you know, for Unfortunately, um, one of the stereotypes that women have to combat is that they are not independent, that they are not self-reliant. And so when women show self-reliance or they're seen as highly self-reliant, it's what I call a positive expectancy violation, which basically means like, it, yeah, it's surprising. It's counter to our stereotypes, but in a positive way. For men, on the other hand, there's sort of this concern that, that they can't ask for help or they're not communal or they're not able to work with others. And that's a negative stereotype that men often have to confront. And so when men signal or show a high level of self-reliance, it almost confirms that potential negative stereotype of an inability to work with others. And so you're absolutely right. It's that positive stereotype violation versus this negative stereotype confirmation that leads to these divergent outcomes for men and women. Now, whether you're, I mean, a man or a woman in terms of the self-reliance or I guess obviously guilt is something that impacts all of us. Exactly. Is there a way to kind of turn these findings on their ear a little bit and maybe use them to your advantage at work? I mean, can we even be cognizant of some of this stuff when we're exhibiting it or feeling it? I feel like sometimes it's easier to look back and realize that was a time where I felt this way or maybe people think I'm self-reliant than to sort of realize it in the moment sometimes. Yeah. I, you know, this is something I think about a lot. Like, first of all, what can we do for ourselves in the environment, particularly when it comes to guilt and shame, um, to help those emotions be more productive so they're not debilitating for us? And also, what can the workplace do to help cultivate an environment where we get sort of the good parts of guilt and not necessarily the bad parts of guilt? And so since some of my work, and particularly of recent, has been thinking about what are the situations that we can create to minimize that negative self-focus that often can happen or creep in with guilt so we can get that good parts of guilt to come out. And when it comes to self-reliance, you know, I think one of the things that's hard about it is I'm always reticent to give advice where if the for instance, if women feel have a disadvantage when it comes to being seen as capable for leadership roles, that then it's also the burden on women to try to fix that problem. Nevertheless, um, you know, I think there is something to be said about couching sort of these agentic or leadership desires more as a desire to have autonomy from others' control as opposed to having a desire to exert control over others. For my own work, um, again, for better or worse, it seems to suggest that that frame difference has an advantage for women when it comes to being well-received in leadership roles. Great. Now, we have time for one more question. Can you tell me a little bit about are there other what's, what are some other things that you're working on next? So the thing that I'm very excited about is in, in this sort of similar vein of like guilt and shame, I do other work on self-control and procrastination and really trying to think about how do we minimize or how do we get people outside of their heads to allow people who have what we generally think are sort of these negative characteristics like a tendency to procrastinate, a high tendency to experience shame, lack of self-control. What are the situations that we can create that allow these individuals to thrive? Um, and one of the things that we're finding is that 
when these people can find themselves in a hard and challenging task, there just is no more mental energy available to have these negative self-thoughts. And it sort of frees them up to be able to perform at a higher potential. Um, I'm really excited about it because, again, I, I really don't like to think that they're necessarily good traits or bad traits or good emotions or bad emotions, but it's about figuring out the situations that we can create to allow who you are and the qualities you have to allow yourself to be the best you can be. To kind of take those and make them work for you. Exactly, to work for you. Great. Becky, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. You can find all of Knowledge at Wharton's podcasts on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 